It's the Atop the Pitbox podcast with your hosts, Zach and Josh. Good evening, Fantasy NASCAR race fans. Welcome back for another episode of the Atop the Pit Box podcast presented by ParadiseExecutiveProperties.com. We are going to talk all things Michigan and look forward to this weekend's race, which is a very critical one at the Richmond Raceway. Josh, how's your day going? Zach, this is the, uh, I look forward to this every week. So I'm super pumped to do this and uh, start talking about some NASCAR. How are you doing? Doing good, man. We uh, had a little quick pool action before we put the kids to bed. So now Love it's it. uh, po- podcast time, and I'm excited to talk about what we have on the agenda this evening. Before we get into that, I just want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, make sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you know when new episodes are dropping. And a reminder November 6th will be the end of the year party in Harlan, Iowa at the West Side. We will have t-shirts for sale, giveaways, and all kinds of stuff there. It will be a lot of fun. So uh, if you can, plan to join us on November 6th. And then again, thank you to uh, Paradise Executive Properties. They are our title sponsor of the podcast. And they just added a new home to their listings down in the uh, Ozarks. So if you guys are looking for a place to take a vacation or just get away, paradiseexecutiveproperties.com is the place to go. So with that being said, let's get into it, Zach. Let's let's talk about some free agency. For the first time in roughly four, five, six weeks, there is no new free agency news. So uh, it's surprising Kind of wish we'd hear something about Eric Amarola or Kyle Busch, but unfortunately there's nothing really to talk about there. But uh, before we get into our race recap section, I just wanted to touch base on Kyle Larson's massive wreck at the Indy Road Course race. So more information has leaked out. I don't know if you've heard about it or not, but there was nice. no car mechanical failure whatsoever it was pure driver mistake on kyle larson's part he came out he said he overdrove the corner he was trying to to drive it in there really really deep and before he knew it he was too far in so he gassed the car up to try to get ahead of those two drivers going in the corner and when he realized it was too late it was too late, and that's when he decided to uh, basically it was either crash into Dylan or, or uh, you know, try to turn left. Which unfortunately there was there's just nothing he could do there. So I thought that was interesting, pure driver mistake, and he he came out and admitted it and, and said it. No, you know, nothing happened with the car. So does that change your opinion of the situation? I mean, we since then we talked. We thought it was just, you know, a mechanical issue and nothing you could do. Now it's it's driver error. Is that more severe or is that, you know, looked at it in a different light? Bings, we saw numerous drivers drive way above their heads at Indy. I kind of chalk it up to, you know, to the track itself. Yes, it's surprising with how good a race car driver Kyle Larson is that he made that mistake. But 
he he had to drive aggressive. He was trying to get ahead of those guys. He thought he could, you know, dive in there, lock, you know, not lock his brakes, but get on the brakes hard enough that he could maybe get past those two cars. But unfortunately, that wasn't the case. So again, pretty par for the course at Indy, which uh, leads me into the next thing I wanted to discuss was a lot of the media guys at Michigan were asking questions and it seems like all the drivers still wanted to talk about just how chaotic and how much of a disaster the Indy road course race was last weekend. What are your thoughts in regards to that? And have you heard anything about, you know, what the drivers said this past weekend at Michigan about it? So I don't pay attention to that at too close. You're my guy that you keep me informed on, on what these guys are saying. I, I understand that if I was a driver, I can understand why you wouldn't want that kind of race, especially at a point in the year when people are trying to make playoff pushes and it's, you know, a meaningful race to throw a turn in that in in a a turn that is is almost pure luck. It would be frustrating. So I I am not surprised that the drivers all hated that. From a fan as somebody that's not watching you know or is not driving a car and is just watching on tv it's great entertainment but i understand why the drivers wouldn't want to put themselves in their their expensive cars in a position where it's demolition derby every time you go and turn one yeah no i agree 100 percent. and i mean again it seems like the the hits with these cars are taking more of a toll on the driver's bodies than in years past. So I think that's why it was a topic of conversation is a lot of these drivers are worried about driver safety. I mean, Kevin Harvick came out before Michigan's race and basically said, I think NASCAR might need to reassess what this car, the safety features are. And if there needs to be any changes in order to, you know, make the driver safer. So I thought that was a pretty, not bold, but pretty uh, big statement to make this far in the season with, you know, everything they've done to this next-gen car and knowing that there might need to be some tweaks made, you know, maybe for the rest of the year, if not during the offseason, to get these drivers safer. So are you? Are they, was he referring to safety um, in the regards of, like, slowing the car down or – actual changes to the physical structure to make it a little safer. I think he was talking about actual physical changes to the car, like just design wise, because again, I mean, Kurt Busch's wreck, it didn't seem like all that hard of a hit seemed like a pretty normal wreck. And now he's been out for three weeks going on four, most likely uh, because of his concussion like symptoms. So it just it seems like these drivers are taking more of a of a hit to their body. I mean, Ty Dillon said, and granted that was a pretty gnarly you know wreck with him and Larson, but he said he was sore up until the race, you know, this past weekend. He said his upper body really really hurt. He said his legs hurt. A lot of that has to do you know with with the seatbelt and the Hans device and everything that keeps these drivers safe, but. When your when your body hurts for an entire week like that, and he said he could barely basically walk or get out of bed the first two days, that is a little bit concerning to me. And maybe NASCAR does need to reassess, you know, what safety features are in these cars, and and maybe you know what 
what can they add, if anything, or what can they change to try to make these these cars safer for these drivers moving forward? So I thought, you know, between Larson and then the the Indy talk and then safety talk, I thought that was some pretty interesting stuff prior to Michigan's race, and they really didn't even touch on on anything <laughs> Michigan related, other than you know it's it was a, a pretty important race for these guys, you know, on the outside looking in. Well, at least we had something to kind of keep us some content for the podcast, you know, in the, the free agency lull that we're in for this, this week. So, uh, let's talk about Michigan and Justin Norton was there. He probably saw some tweets. Uh, so good job, Nort for documenting that. Uh, what'd you think of, what'd you think of Michigan? So I thought it was a race raciest Michigan that I can remember. Typically Michigan is, is kind of a boring race. There's not a lot of cautions. The drivers who are good, you know, the cars that are good separate themselves from the pack. And and without a caution, it kind of turns into kind of a lull of a race and uh, kind of boring. But that was not the case this past weekend between the stage breaks, a couple timely cautions. Uh, I thought it was a really entertaining race compared to years past at Michigan. Did you hear that, everyone? Zach Dick liked a race. I did. I did. Uh, <laughs> cars could pass. You know, going in the, going down the straightaway, they would get a huge draft and get some big runs, and they had to take them because if they didn't, they you know get passed from the car behind them. And it seemed like the you know if you if you go too wide, there's just a massive hole being created in the air, and that guy you know in third place would just come in and and get past both drivers in one corner. So. Again, overall, I thought it was a really good race. Touching ba- back on our fun facts last week, or our track facts last week about the infield campsites, they were sold out. All campsites wow. were sold out at Michigan for the first time since 2012. As Norton kind of tweeted out and showed pictures, the place was packed. It's it's great to see you know these tracks with with full stands. Campsites were all sold out. All all the RV and, and camp, uh, you know, sites were sold out as well. So I thought it was just really really fun to see, especially at Michigan. Really changes the atmosphere when the the place is packed. Like there's something. It, it, it's it's still racing when it's half full, or you know, you see you know some of the stands empty. But that place was was jam packed, and you could feel it even on TV. You could see you know, feel the energy from the, from the track, which was really cool to see. And hopefully, you know, we continue to see that throughout the rest of the year. Agreed. And and looking at our, our boy, Jeff Gluck's poll, 90.7% of voters said, yes, it was a good race. So again, to remind, to remind you listeners, our threshold is roughly the 90% mark. So 90.7 is above what is considered a good to great race. And this past weekend's race was the highest Michigan race poll wise out of the last 12 Michigan races. So obviously the fans enjoyed it. It was entertaining. They liked what they saw. And Michigan was the, is the number two overall race percentage wise in 2022 in Jeff Gluck's poll. So what's number one, really, really high. Again, I really liked the race. I thought it was entertaining. I'm not sure I would say it's the second best race of the year to this point. 
What are your thoughts on it being that high? So what's number one? Daytona? I, I did, I'm guessing it's it's Darlington, just with the drama with, with Willie and, and Logano. Okay. Um, that's my guess. I can look it up real quick. But Michigan to be number two, I thought that was really high and – uh, I'm I mean, not sure. I agree we've talked with about it. the car. We've talked about the cars making the the difference this year on these quote unquote boring tracks, where you know they've given us a little bit more excitement than we've seen in the past, able to do a little bit more than the cars, you know, last year. And you know, number two seems kind of high. I can't think of off the top of my head a, a different race that was I would put better, but um, it's. It was exciting, so I'm not surprised. So I just pulled it up. Michigan is second behind Fontana, California. Fontana had a 91.5% yes rating. Wow. With Charlotte being third, Vegas being fourth, Kansas being fifth. So that's shocking to me. I thought Darlington would be yeah. in the top five, but it's not. So Fontana Kansas was is up there and Darlington isn't. Yeah, exactly. Fontana is number one this year. If you remember, I believe this track, uh, Michigan was was kind of built based off of Texas and Fontana, California. So um, that, to you know, sister tracks, I'm not surprised by that. But uh, again, everyone seems to have enjoyed the Michigan race. And, and overall, I thought it was a pretty entertaining race myself. So the race started and there was a car that one of us picked that was lightning fast he's doing a great job and then we get to the pit strategy that ends up costing him so what kind of was the pit strategy going into that point of the race so at that point in the race drivers could pit and make it to the end of stage one without having to stop again so a few cars elected to do that Unfortunately, because most of the field stayed out and elected to use a different pit strategy, my second favorite driver, Kyle Busch, got... And my pick. And your pick was in the back of the pack. And unfortunately, he got caught up in, in a bunch of idiots wrecks between Michael McDowell, <laughs> Eric Almarola, Joey Hand, just a bunch of nobodies. And oh it God. ruined his day. So He must have been so mad. <laughs> Kyle was mad. I was mad. I mean, you saw my text to you. I was like, this is a joke, man. Like he's got a, he had a super fast car. He led, he led some of the first part of the race. Uh, I was super disappointed to see him wreck that early on. And uh, I mean, he, as he, it was as he really pointed out in his, in his interview, he's just, he can't catch a break right now. So hopefully these next three, next three races, the title turn because I need him to start doing better fantasy wise or I'm not going to make the playoffs. <laughs> uh, so he, so he wrecked early. We had Cole Custer, his car caught on fire, which was kind of scary. Um, they were, I mean, his car went up in flames on the, the left front and then it kind of looked like it was in the, the inside the car and they came in and the fire crew put it out. But Kind of a, a little scary scene there for Cole Custer. It definitely was. He he had been having left front tire issues. I think that was his second or third flat tire that he had. And it looks like when the tire started coming apart, he must have hit a brake line 
or, or some type of line it, by the engine, and that's what ignited the flames. I at first thought the flames were going to go out. I mean, there was some heavy smoke there. Yeah. But as we saw, I think it was last week with Chris Busher, if you can get the fire put out, you can still continue on. But the longer and longer that went, the the bigger the fire got. So they pulled them out, and then you saw the the aftermath of of the fire. And basically, that the fire was so hot that the carbon fiber body started melting. So if you saw the side, I mean, the vinyl wrap was melted, and then <laughs> even pieces of the carbon started melting. So that had to be a yeah. really really hot fire. There was a a driver that really no one picked to to win this race. And if you listen to the pregame or the pre-show, they talked about how Fords were terrible. They were slow. Toyotas were the speed and didn't really give a Ford a chance. And then a Ford wins and not just any Ford, but Kevin Harvick, who I think it was 65 races since his last win, which is crazy to think about. And so he dominates that last I don't know, was it 30, 40 laps of the of that race? Once he got the lead, it was it was kind of classic Harvick where he just was like, Yeah, no one's passing me now. I'm at the front. <laughs> and Yeah, Kevin Harvick is the last driver Ryan Blaney and Martin Truex wanted to see win that race. For sure. He he had been dominant at Michigan in the last six races. I th- I think the stat was he'd won four of the last six. No one gave Kevin Harvick a chance, including myself. We didn't talk about him at all as an option. He wasn't even yeah, he wasn't even on my radar. With how nope. bad the Fords have been this year, especially Stuart Haas racing, and then those like you said, the last forty laps, give or take, he got clear of the Bubba Wallace. Uh, and then uh, I, I know Blaney was in there and whoever else was in the mix for a second and third place. But once he got clear, he set sail and built up just a big enough lead that it really didn't matter how fast the other cars were. Like Bubba Wallace had the the fastest car at the end of the end of the race, and he couldn't even get close to Harvick. So again, I would say that win might be a top two biggest win for Kevin Harvick in his career, wow. based on how long that winless drought had been. And he wasn't making the playoffs without a win. So obviously that win gets him in the playoffs now. So probably the biggest storyline out of the race was Kevin Harvick and what an upset win that was. He did have a little scare towards the end of the race where um, there was a car that almost brought out the caution. I don't remember which car it was, but there was almost a, a caution. And NASCAR again waited and... I thought did a good job and let the car get off the apron. I mean, a restart would have been awesome for entertainment purposes, but that was Kevin Harvick's race and, and he should, it couldn't be taken away from him. Yeah. I thought for sure that, that cause that car you're talking about, the chunks of tire started coming off yeah. and, and we're landing on the track. So with how gun shy NASCAR has been in the past, as well as from an entertainment standpoint, just trying to stack the field back up and, and watch it just a crazy chaotic restart that would have been. I thought for sure they were going to throw the yellow flag. And to NASCAR's credit, they didn't. I think they've started learning some lessons <laughs> based on their mistakes in the last couple of years. So I was I was happy to see him not throw the yellow flag. 
but I kind of wanted to see it just because I wanted some drivers to wreck, to hurt yeah, their fantasy position, add, <laughs> add to the standings point-wise. But uh, nonetheless, Kevin Harvick goes to win, again, I would say a top two biggest race of his career to this point. And you alluded to it before, Blaney and Truex. So now Blaney's in, Truex is out with only three races to go. I'm torn. I, like I said, I was, <laughs> I, I was, I've got Harvick, Blaney on my fantasy teams. But Martin Truex is my favorite driver, so I'm like, God, I really could use those minus five points for the win. But I know this is going to knock Truex out of the playoffs. So Blaney is, I think, 19 points ahead of Truex for that last and final spot. And so if there is no new winners here in the next three races, it's going to be really fun to watch Blaney and Truex and see if, if Truex can outpoint Blaney here in the next three races and maybe sneak into that 16th and final spot. It's going to be so much fun. It's going to be awesome. So just to recap, stage one winner was Christopher Bell. Hamlin wins stage two, but the winner of the race was Kevin Harvick. And uh, Harvick and Hamlin both led 38 laps each, so they tie for, for most laps led. We talked about our picks. Uh, Blaney was in fifth, which is a great finish. But honestly, when Kevin Harvick was out front, I, he was in fourth for a good portion of that. And I wasn't even concerned about Blaney catching him. I was like, there's no way that this is going to happen to Kevin Harvick. So uh, Kyle Busch, we talked about wrecked and uh, finished 36th, which is a, is, a, is a shame. Is a shame. So should we talk about some fantasy? The team average was 64 this week, so kind of back to normal, so not too too crazy like last week. Um, we had a new low of the of the season, so Mike went, Wenthold? Wenthold? Wenthold, yeah, Wenthold. Un- Uncle Mike Wenthold. Is that, a, is that a Zach Dick relative? No, that's, that's uh, Norton's just, brother-in-law, yeah. but I call him Uncle Mike. Uh, all right, so Uncle, Uncle Mike... Mike the the low of ten points last week, so it's going to be hard to beat. Yeah, sixteen was was up there for a long time, and me and Taylor had that split. And I was surprised it took this long to get lower than sixteen. Ten's a really good score, so I I don't see that getting beat. And then the high was one twenty eight by Steve Rolfus, number one, who, if you remember last week, was the uh, was the low score. So we went from low to high in one week, which didn't do well for his his fantasy team. So let's talk about the top 10. Number one is still Amy Weiss. So she defends her top spot last week with 52 fantasy points. So a really solid week for Amy's team. And her team's, I think, powered by Eric Jones. He's He's been running really, really well. And I got to believe that that is kind of correlated to to her rise to the top because uh, he did have a pretty rough start of the year. Uh, in the second spot is also unchanged, Taylor Schleiss. And this is his 14th week in the top 10. So just super impressive run for Taylor. Uh, 64 points, so right at the average. Number three is Crazy Dale, number two, who moved up one spot, uh, also had 64 points. Number four is Ryan Brash, number two. Up one spot with 62 points. Number five, down two spots with 106 points, is Steve Rolfus, number four. 
So not a really good week for the Steve Rolfus teams, uh, 128 and 106 uh, on two of his spots. Number six is Adam Studer, up three, up three spots uh, with 61 points. Number seven, this is where we get a nice little run. We get uh, even bigger sandwich up one spot, uh, had 69 points. Number eight is Reagan Rolfus up two spots with 64 points. Uh, she made her return back to the top 10 after falling out last week. Number nine is Jasmine Rolfus, who had 86 points, and she's down two spots. My other team, Bigger Sandwich, uh, was up three spots with 70 points and rounds out the top 10. Number 11 was Kinnick Rolfus, so he falls out of the top 10, but just barely with not a great week of 103 points. And then uh, Richard Rainey was the other team to fall out of the top 10 with 94 points, and he falls to P14. So, Zach, our new top 10, as we get closer to the end of the regular season, three races to go. What are we thinking about, about our top 10? Well, I really hope the uh, Sandwich family uh, takes a hit. That would mean Chase Elliott has a couple rough weeks here. The next three weeks, it'd be nice to see you guys fall out of the top 10 because you're hogging it. Haters. Everyone else wants to get in, but... Uh, <laughs> Understandable. Overall, like, like you pointed out, 64 was the average. That's not surprising. It's pretty. It's an average. We call it an average track. Really not a lot of big crashes or anything like that. So overall, not surprised with, with where the standings are at at this point. Not too many shakeups. Hoping to see some sandwich family fall out of the top 10 and let some new people in. If you had to pick your champion right now, who you think is going to win at the, at the end of the regular season? I'm going to go out on a limb here and say my team is going to come back from the dead. I'm 26 points out of the playoffs. <laughs> Kyle Busch and Ryan Blaney. All right, going to carry you the promise, man. So, so stupid for me to ask you this. Of course, uh, of course, this guy thinks Nebraska's going to win ten games this season. Of no, eight, course, you think. Eight, eight of course, you think your your fantasy team is going to come from the dead. All right, you enough. have you, you've got to think that. You've got to think like that. I, I was I was dumb. Uh, that was no. I think I think it's it's still too early on. Uh, if you're in the top ten, though, you've got a really good chance here. Uh, again, though. Points reset in the playoffs. So once the playoffs start, I mean, it's anyone in the top 24 can make it. So uh, the prediction would be really hard at this point. But again, I just want to see some some pain for the sandwich family and, and get some new people in the top 10. So with all that being said, biggest risers of the week. Uncle Mike Wentold, you touched on him earlier. 10 points this past week. Heck of a week for Uncle Mike Wentold. Went from P65 to P47. Crazy Dale went from P54 to P39. Robert Schaefer, number one, went from P43 to P32. Now, Josh, what, what are your thoughts about Robert Schaefer here? I just want to give Robert Schaefer a shout-out. So Robert Schaefer is is my uncle, and he uh, he's rep representing us on the East Coast in West Virginia, and he just checked out his first episode of the podcast last week. So shout out to Uncle Bob 
holding it down in West Virginia. And uh, thanks for listening. And he's 32nd. That's pretty close to the playoffs. To so get another another one of the fam in. Uncle Uncle Bob Sandwich family <laughs> up to P32. Good week for Uncle Bob. Glad to hear that you're listening to the podcast there in West Virginia. So good week for you. Fast Eddie went from P33 to P22. And Doug Malberg went from P65 to P54. So those five teams had good weeks and were the biggest risers of the week. And you look at what those teams consist of. Kevin Harvick was on every single one of them. So that obviously helps with your negative points. Chase Elliott was on a few. Kyle Larson was on a few. You mentioned Jones. Eric Jones was on Mike Wenhold's team. So he, like you said, he's put together some really good runs here as of late. So that helped. And then Blaney was on a couple as well. So good weeks for the risers. In regards to the fallers this past week, Brian Martin at Brian Martin 89 went from P37 to P61. As you pointed out, Steve Rolfus at Rolfco went from P29 to P51, and Mark Paulson went from P28 to P48. You look at those teams, unfortunately, Kyle Busch, Austin Sindrick, a Burton, a Reddick with his engine troubles, um, that's going to hurt the, hurt the fantasy team and fantasy standings. Yeah, we didn't talk about Reddick's engine. That was killer. He... He was running decent and just came on the radio and said his engine blew up. But I, it, it is interesting to see some of these names like Mark Paulson, who was, I, I think, was in the top ten at one point, um, and see him down in P forty eight and just how fast the tables can turn, you know, from you know a couple of drivers and there's still three races left, which is why it's still going to be mayhem going into the the final three. And you, uh, we've we've pointed this out in, on the last couple podcasts, but these next three races, you've got a short track at Richmond, you have a road course at Watkins Glen, and you have just a pure <laughs> chaos and just demolition derby of Daytona before the you know that decides the playoffs. So I think these playoff standings are going to be shook in the next three weeks, and it's going to be survival of the fittest. So. Don't be surprised if there's some major, major swings and movements in regards to the standings just based on the tracks that are coming up. And I think, I don't know if you're somebody that doesn't necessarily watch NASCAR on a on an every week basis. I would give these next three these next three races a chance. Uh, tune into them and give them a give them a watch because I think it's going to be super, super entertaining and, and is going to give you a best version of of what this sport has to offer. It's going to be a lot of fun going into the, especially the last one that I, I am super pumped for that one and I can't wait for, for that race to start. So we're still got two good ones before. So, uh, looking at the rookies, uh, Taylor slice P two Keely park P 15, David Bangert P 15 and Patrick McMeekin P 23. So those are your rookies that are currently in the playoffs just outside the playoffs is Brad Larson in P25, right there on the edge, uh, sniffing the playoffs. So let's talk about playoffs. We're getting really close to to the end of the regular season. We've got a difference between 1st and 24th of 132 points. So 
the gap between first and 24th is really starting to stretch here. This is about the the most it's been in, in a long time. Um, but on the flip side, when you look at positions 24 to 50, only 79 points separate those those 25 spots. It was 105 points between them last week. So it is it's getting tighter towards those bottom of the of the standings, which means we could see somebody that's you know in the 40th spot make a run and and make the playoffs, which is is super super exciting. Yeah, uh, again, I would I would not be surprised if someone comes out of nowhere in these next three races, survives them, and sneaks into the playoffs. I will not be shocked one bit. As you pointed out, 24th to 50th is 79 points. I would say the first 10 to 12 teams are fairly safe or probably safe for the playoffs. But after that, it is anyone's game. So these next three weeks are going to be fantastic from a fantasy race fan standpoint. And the race itself is going to be fantastic to watch as well. So these next three three weeks, like you pointed out, if you have not watched a race yet this year, please tune in to these next three weeks because that is going to be exciting, electric, and, and just pure entertainment for us fans watching on TV. So looking at the last four into the playoffs, if it were to end today, Matt Powers, Fast Eddie, Dave Brahman, Brahman, number three, and Patrick McMeekin. First four out, Brad Larson, Lisa Abel, Bush, Bush, Busher, who has been on in, in, in and out of this playoff spots for, for the whole year. I'm really I'm rooting for him. He's a rookie. I hope that he can get in. And then uh, Justin Norton, number three. Those are the playoffs. So let's look at that race. The first race of the of the stretch here, and and it's Richmond. So let's uh, let's talk about Richmond. Yeah. So this weekend's race, typically Richmond had it had a day race and a night race. Looks like they're going to go with another day race this weekend. So again, Richmond Raceway in Richmond, Virginia, is the site of this weekend's race. Zach's track facts. I've got three fun facts for all you listeners this evening fact number one richmond opened in october of 1946 and it is known as america's premier short track so that is how it advertises or markets itself as just an entertaining short track race to go see track facts number two richmond originally was a half mile dirt track but was repaved in 1968 with asphalt and they also reconfigured it into the d-shaped oval that it is today so when you're watching the race this weekend just pay attention to how they come out of turn three go down the straightaway and go into turn one it, it is an odd shaped track but it is really fun to watch these guys try to maneuver down the front stretch because of the shape it's a d-shaped track so pay attention to that this weekend And your last Zach's track fact of the evening, in 2010, the track installed a state-of-the-art video scoring tower that boasts more LED square square footage than any other in the motorsports industry. So you're starting to see a lot of these tracks 
do big jumbotrons or big scoring pylons. And, and Richmond Raceway, for as little of a track as it is, has the most LED square footage on their scoring pylon in the motorsports industry today. So I thought that was a cool fact. When you look at just the driver stats in from Richmond, uh, the and in this this section is all active drivers. So all active drivers, Kyle Busch leads all active drivers with an average finish of 6.9. Christopher Bell is second at 7.0. Hamlin is third at 8.5. Your boy, Kevin Harvick, at a 9.9. And Joey Logano is 10.5. So those are the best drivers out of the active drivers at Richmond. And then I wanted to kind of narrow it down. So the most recent six races at Richmond, my boy, Martin Truex Jr., best average finish the last six races at a 2.3. Hamlin is second at a 4.2. Logano is third with 6.8. And then Kyle Busch and Christopher Bell are tied for fourth with with an average finish of 7.0. Are you surprised at all with any of those driver stats? Um. No, I think it all it, it makes sense. Those are all really good drivers. Um, maybe Christopher Bell would be the one that I would maybe not think would be such a a short track driver. I mean, I we kind of consider him a a road course driver. Um, but yeah, I think those are those are interesting stats and um, lead us into our picks for the for the race and. I think I know who you're picking because you told me, but I don't know if it's changed. So I'm going to give you the option to go first and see if you're had a change of heart on your pick or if you're still gung ho who you got. So I texted Josh and I texted Norton as soon as the (laughs) Michigan race was over. And I told them, who I thought was going to win the race this weekend at Richmond. I say I said it was a lock, and I'm not changing my mind. <laughs> all I'm right. sticking with it. My boy Martin Truex Jr., he's got all the pressure and the weight of the world on his shoulders. He needs to win a race in the next three. He has been dominant at Richmond in the last six races. Now's his time to shine. Martin Truex Jr. is my pick for this weekend at Richmond. Who are you going with to try to up upset me and get a pie in the face? All right. So Martin Truex is is the pick st- stat-wise. I mean, he's by far the the dominant at this track. So I'm going to go with somebody whose stats might not warrant a pick. But the same reason that you're picking Truex, he needs a win. I'm going with Ryan Blaney. Fair enough. So I mean, so, if, you, if you if you think about the spring race, there we kind of talked about this at work. But Truex and Blaney both led over 80 laps in the spring race, if memory serves me right. They both had really fast cars there. Typically, the Toyotas are the fastest at Richmond for whatever reason. But 
Ryan Blaney has fared pretty well at Richmond. So I do like your pick. I'm not surprised by it. For some reason, I thought maybe you were really going to go out on the limb and say Bubba Wallace because he needs a win. Toyotas are fast. He's had four straight top ten, so I didn't know if you are going to go that far I, out or not. I just, honestly, I don't think he's that good of a, of a driver. And I... So that's all it is. Is I I don't I don't think he's that good to win. Um, I mean, did you see him? He's crying out of the car. He got second, and he's like crying. Like, well, nah, bro. I, you know, like <laughs> I said, four straight top tens. He hasn't been in this position in his entire NASCAR career. I know, so, I, but at least at least if you're like get pissed off, you know, like slam your helmet against your car, or like you know, throw a little fit, you know. Don't just come out crying. Yeah, no, I agree. Crying in NASCAR? It was a little (laughs) sad to see, but again, he hasn't been in this spot before, so kudos to him, but I really would like to see him falter here in the next three races (laughs) because he has helped some some teams move up based on how strong he's finished here in the last four weeks. So looking at, where was this? When was the first Richmond race? It was... I'd say, I don't know, roughly 10 weeks in. So he he had 128 laps led. Yep, and Truex led 80. And he started on the he started on the pole. Yep. Oh, no, stage one. No, he won stage one. Well, he started. He started first. Oh, yeah, he started he first, too. He was on the pole. Yeah. All right. So there we go. See, so, I knew I picked him for a reason. That's there you go. Backed it up. After the fact, I found the reason that you're supposed to do research, pick, make your yeah. make your decision, and then find that the the stuff that supports your pick. Yeah, that's what I just did. So there we go. All I know, All right. like I said, Truex has been dominant the last six races at Richmond. Toyotas are fast. I think he's the betting favorite this weekend as well. So he should be. I'm really, I'm really hoping this is the week for Martin Truex Jr. <laughs> I, I'd really well, hate well, to see him miss the playoffs. It would be a shame, especially. You know he's had a pretty good, or pretty good year, uh, points wise, and yeah, it would be. And maybe it's the, what needs to happen. So NASCAR changes some rules so that you know you can point your way in and still, you know, with sixteen winners or whatever. But yeah, that'll know. be a that'll be a topic we can talk about. Uh, <laughs> it after, sure it will be after the next three three weeks to see if if you know we we need to tweak some. Tweak some changes or, or rules to True X to and what Blaney both missed the playoffs. Drivers... Say what? <laughs> True X and Blaney both missed the playoffs. Yeah, that'd be wild. <laughs> you got two guys in the top five standings and they missed the playoffs. That something needs to change yeah. if that happens. I think they would they would have to at that point. So, all right, man. Thanks for doing it. Good to see you. Yeah, same here. And thank you to. ParadiseExecutiveProperties.com for being our title sponsor for Atop the Pit Box podcast. Again, for all your Lake of the Ozark vacation and booking needs, go to their website and they will get you taken care of. With that being said, Josh, have a good night. And that is the Atop the Pit Box podcast for the evening. Good night.